Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. There are times that you preach a word that you, you believe is a word for the body. But then there's times that you preach a word that you know is pivotal for people's lives. This is one of those pivot moments. It's uh, the tipping point moment. The tipping point is when you get something and you, all your efforts have gotten you. Have, how many of you have ever tried to push a car over a hill? And you're, 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 you're like, I've never tried that. But whenever you're, you're trying to push, and if you've, ever, if you've ever owned an old car like I have, you're used to pushing. And uh, there, there are times that when you're pushing, especially if you're trying to go up the driveway into the, the garage, you, whenever you're pushing uphill, that you get the resistance. But you, you come to a certain tipping point where all of a sudden things kind of level out and that which was so hard now becomes easy because the momentum has shifted. You, you've gotten to that point and now you're able to, what, what maybe took three or four people to do, one person can do with one hand. Because you've gotten to that point. You've gotten to the tipping point. And I believe there's many of you here this morning that are at that tipping point in your life. You have struggled so hard up to this point in life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your spiritual walk. You've pushed so hard to get to a certain point, and yet it seems like I haven't made any progress. But I want you to understand that just like taking a sledgehammer and hitting the concrete, which you've probably never done before either, but when you take a, a sledgehammer and you hit the concrete, it's not the it, one hit doesn't crack it. But it's the multitude of hits that you keep on hitting in one area. And as you keep on swinging that sledgehammer, eventually you'll see a crack develop. But it wasn't that one shot that created the crack. It was the multitude, the accumulation of cracks, of efforts that keep on swinging that eventually break through. And I want you to know that you're on your breakthrough moment. You're on the verge of that breakthrough in your life today. I want you to stand to your feet, turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. And Israel is in a tough situation here. They're on the verge of bondage. I want you to see what's going on. The children of Israel are on the verge of bondage because of idolatry. They've taken things that God has blessed them with and they've turned them into worship. The way we take our job that God blessed you with and now your job is more important than God. Take that boat God blessed you with, and now the boat's more important to God. Whenever anything that gets between us and God becomes idolatry. And the children of Israel now, God is about to discipline them for their disobedience. Their disobedience is finally bringing consequences. How many know God loves you? How many know that God's also a just God too? And he, they're, they're coming to a point where God's like, this is it. You've come to your tipping point where I'm about to judge you on this. And God's giving them one more chance to get things straight. And it's at this point that a young man by the name of Isaiah, who is related to the king, has a vision. Look with me in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, what happened to the king? He, he died, Okay. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to understand that Isaiah is what, what some theologians call an aristocrat. In other words, he, he is born in a pretty well-to-do family. He has been around royalty. He's used to the finer things in life. And he, according to some theologians, was literally a cousin to the king. So going to the throne room or going to the palace was something that he was used to. He was used to going to the galas. He was used to getting dressed up for the big events. He was used to having access to the throne. That whenever he had a personal problem, he had to end with the king. He could go talk to the king to get any issue that he had rectified. Having a problem with the neighbor, just go to the king. Someone having too many chariots parked in front of their house, go to the king. Someone had a dog that was always going to the bathroom on their lawn, he'd go to the king. Any problem that he had, any issues he was having with people, he would go to the king. But something happens here. The Bible says that in the year King Uzziah died, that the king, his, his connection dies. His, his, the, the, the connection that he has, that ability to get things handled is now gone. I want you to know that many of us, we go through things in our life where we end up losing our connection. Say it again, Pastor. We lose our connection. That person that, that, that used to help us out, that, that individual you'd always connect with and so forth, the person that would get you out of jams and everything, and you find yourself all alone. But I want you to know that sometimes those connections need to be removed in order for us to see who God really is. And the king dies. And it's no coincidence that the year that the king dies, that Isaiah sees the Lord in a new way. That sometimes things need to die in our lives in order to remove the obstruction from us viewing God as who God really is. Come on, somebody. And so it's not until things are removed or some things die. It might be an attitude. It might be a way of living. It might be some pride. It might be your old lifestyle. But some things need to die in order for us to get a vision of who God really is. And in the year that King Uzziah dies, all of a sudden, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah sees something no one else has seen to date. In fact, not even Moses had the opportunity to see this. Moses saw the back of God, but Isaiah saw God in the throne room. Someone say throne room. The throne room is where the decisions are made. The throne room is where God rules. This is where the, 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 the throne of God is. And he's standing there in the middle of this throne room. And Isaiah gets a glimpse of what heaven looks like. Come on, somebody. I don't know if you're, you're catching this. He gets a glimpse of what heaven looks like. He sees God on the throne. And he, he gets a firsthand view of the throne room of heaven. Now, there's something interesting about this that he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his, the, put, put that scripture, that first scripture back up again. And the what? The train of his robe, what? Filled the temple. I want you to understand the importance of this. You see, in those days, kings each had a robe and the length of the robe determined the victorious nature of the king. Because as a king would go out to battle, every king had their colors. Come on. Well, football teams have their colors, right? They're, everyone's, you know, some of you poor people this evening are, or this morning are wearing those stars all over your clothes. And 
praying for you this morning. God, God deliver you from those colors. Some of you are wearing a 4-9 on you. I have no idea why you're doing that. No, what would it, you know, why not go to 50? Why stop at 49? God wants more for you. And then some of you blessed people are wearing the silver and black today. Blessings upon you. Glory to God. I feel the presence of God coming to this place right now. But I want you to know when a king won a lot of victory, if you walked in and the king only had a robe to hear, it wasn't much of a king. If the robe, if his robe only went to here and he's walking around, you're like, mm, he hasn't done much. It would be like Super Bowl rings. But the thing, the thing is, is that the train of the rope, because what would happen is this, is that as a king each went out to battle in their, in their garb and their, their, their robes, the king that won would go to the robe of the king that lost and cut a piece of his robe off. And he would have it sewn on the back of his robe. Let me try this side. So the longer the robe of the king meant the more victories a king had. So when Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train of his robe filled the temple, what Isaiah is saying is God, our God, has never lost a battle. He has defeated every king, every principality, and he has stripped them of their robes and put it onto his own robe. That's why it's so long. That's how glorious our God is. And of the things that Isaiah catches is how big this robe is. And what, what's a trip is this. He sees how big the robe is. And then verse, verse 4 says this. And the post of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So, so God speaks and the foundations shake. Now, now, we don't know what he said. Because Isaiah doesn't understand whatever he said but when he speaks the foundations come on somebody the foundations begin i want you to know that the word of god when god speaks god's voice has the ability to shake the foundations of your life and if you built your life on the wrong foundation only the word of god has the ability to break that foundation up to remove that stronghold in order for you to have a new cornerstone laid in christ somebody has to hear me right now you have developed your life on strongholds what is a stronghold any thought or idea that is contrary to the word of God. And many of us have developed strongholds in our lives or foundations that don't agree with heaven. And you've developed your life. I will never amount to anything. I'll never accomplish anything. I'll, I'll always be addicted. I'll never have a great marriage. I'll never be blessed. And all these wrong thinkings have, have this stronghold that has been developed as the cornerstone of the foundation of your life and that is why you're not succeeding is because you keep declaring these things in your life and you create like God does with the spoken word and we create atmospheres by the words that we speak come on somebody follow me on this but God speaks and the foundations literally shake God's word has the ability to break up the wrong foundations in us now Notice what happens. The presence of God fills the temple. When God speaks, smoke comes in. And smoke is, 
is symbolic of the presence of God. Everyone say presence of God. Now, and it, it's known what, the, what the, Greek, the Greek refers to as the Shekinah glory of God. Okay, for, for those of you Latins in here, not the Chicano glory of God. Okay, the Shekinah glory. Yeah, pastor was talking about the Chicano glory, man. That's not what I'm talking about, all right? It's the Shekinah glory, all right? I just want to make sure you get that straight. But when he, he steps in and he receives the, the presence of God, all of a sudden something happens to Isaiah. Follow me. See, look at the response Isaiah has. Look at verse, verse 5. He says, woe is me, for I am undone. Now, now, even before we get to that point, before this in verse 4, Isaiah sees, as, as he's there in, in, in the throne room, he sees the angel flying, the seraphim. With two wings, they cover their feet. Two wings, they cover their face. And with two wings, they fly. And as they're flying, the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why are they saying this? These angels, they could have said anything about God. But instead of talking about powerful, powerful, powerful is our God, instead of saying creative, creative, creative is our God, instead of saying strength and power and might is our God, they accentuate one characteristic about God. They focus in on one thing that the angels in heaven recognize. It is holy, 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 out of everything they could have said, love, love, love. They focus in on the holiness of God. And in the Hebrew, there is no exclamation marks or punctuation. So whenever you wanted to accentuate or to emphasize something, there were no exclamation marks like we have in our writing. So in the Hebrew, whenever you wanted to emphasize something, you repeated it. So when they said, Holy, 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 that's exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, that they're letting you know God's not just holy, God's not just holy, God's not just holy, he's not holy, God is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that God's holy. And that's why the word of God says, and you know, we, we love the, old, the New Testament so greatly that we forget that the Old Testament exists where even Jesus commands us to be holy for I am holy. Peter says, be holy for God is holy. For without holiness, no man shall see God. Now on our own, we'll never be able to be holy, but thankful for Jesus who gave his life and his blood so that you and I could be Holy. Come on, somebody. Holiness isn't what I, who I am. Holiness is what God gives to me, his holiness. Come on, somebody. Look what he says, verse 5. Woe is me, for I am undone. I always wonder, what, 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 do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean, woe is me, I'm undone? But what he's literally saying is, man, I suck. That's, and, and, man, I, I'm terrible. I, I, I don't measure up. I'm a terrible, I, I, I'm messed up. He says this, because I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, nothing, nothing, nothing good comes from my mouth. Then he, he goes on, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. And I, I, the fools I hang around with are just as bad as me. 
Everyone around me is, is just as bad. Then he says this, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. See, something happens to Isaiah. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. And I want you to notice his response to the presence of God. He sees God high and lifted up and he responds to the presence not by judging other people, not by saying I'm holy and they're not, not by saying I have access to the presence of God and you don't. What he does when he gets into the presence of God. He literally looks at God's greatness and God's greatness causes him to realize I'm messed up. See, when the presence of God shows up, the light of God reveals the defects in our lives. And and you know what? He, He doesn't compare himself to other people. And you know, many of us, especially when we talk about religion or spirituality, we do so in regards to judging or comparing ourselves to other people. That's how we determine whether we're doing good or bad. You know what I'm talking about. You know, I may only come to church, you know, once or twice a month, but compared to so-and-so who never goes, I'm doing great. You know, compared to so-and-so, I only cuss a couple times. That guy, that's all he ever does. See, the, the word of God says those that compare themselves among themselves are foolish, are unwise. Why, why, do we, why, why do we not compare ourselves to other people? Because number one, we'll always find someone that does it worse than us, and it'll cause pride. Man, compared to that person, I'm really good. I'm amazing. Or we find someone that does it better than us, and it causes us to get down on ourselves. Oh, man, I suck. Now, I'm never going to get to that level. That's why you don't compare yourself to other people. See, you're, you're not my standard. God is. Your your standard's not the brother or sister sitting next to you. It's God. And when Isaiah steps in and he sees the Lord high and lifted up, all he does is he repents. He repents before God because he realizes that this, I am no better than anyone else around me. There's no no record of Isaiah being an idolater. There's no record of him turning away from God. For all we know about Isaiah is Isaiah has been a good man that has followed after God and done the right things. But when he gets into the presence of God and he sees the glory of God, he realizes that compared to God, not compared to people, compared to God, I'm messed up, I'm jacked up, I'm tore up from the floor up, and I need to get some things right. That's how I know that you've gone into the presence of God. It's because you're no longer judging other people. You're just focused in on yourself. Say it again, Pastor, because you know what? Those of us that have been in church for a minute, we've gotten good at religion. We somehow think that we belong here. Somehow by your own goodness, you've gotten access to God. The moment you begin to think that you deserve it, is the moment we begin to lose it. And Isaiah had the ability to say, compared to God, we're all messed up. Come on, look around. Go ahead and look around. Don't be afraid. They're, they're, they're looking at you too. Okay, look around. Especially those guys in those cowboy jerseys. Look around. Look at just uh, all messed up, you know? We, we all got things we need to get through. We all got problems we need to solve. We all got, you know what? We might look good on the outside, but we're all jacked up. Every one of us. 
We all got issues. Come on. Every single, I got issues. I got problems. I got situations. I got struggles that I, that I have to rely on God. I'm no better than you. Only reason I'm up here is because God's called me to be up here. God's the one that called me to, to, to be the pastor of this church. I'm just doing what he told me to do, not because I'm better than you, not because I'm closer to God or somehow God has favor on me. I'm just here in this place because God placed a call on my life. And I want you to understand the only difference is, is I answered it. That same call is open and available to each and every one of you. We're all messed up. See, the presence of God causes us to look at ourselves rather than others. And how do I know you've been in the presence of God and not religion? Is because you focus in on what you're doing wrong, not on what others are doing wrong. Some of y'all think you're a church police. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, excuse me. Um, I'm um, Minister So-and-So, I'm the CWC Police Department, and we're, we heard you haven't been giving lately, and uh, we're here to you know, take your seat away. Uh, you're going to have to park in the farthest parking lot across the street, being that you're not, or individually, you know, we've been hearing that you've been uh, not, not doing good in the relational department and so forth, and so we're going to have to, you know, we saw you taking communion, and we know that you're having trouble with one of your brothers, and we're going to have to take that communion cup away from you today, because we, we sit there and we judge people. It sounds crazy, but we all have our, our, because we judge one another and compare ourselves against one another. But Isaiah's view of God revealed who Isaiah really was. Now, now look with me here. Verse 6 of chapter 6. It says, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar, touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. See, Isaiah's confession causes God to respond. Let me, let me, let me try that again. Isaiah's confession causes God to respond. You see, when you humble yourself before God, God responds to your humility. It's when you act like you got it all together. Now, I'm all right, man. I'm good. I, you know what? I'm in the presence of God because I deserve it. You know, I, I'm right with everything. It's fine with me. I got no issues. But Isaiah, in the presence of God, realizes who he is and how messed up he is as he confesses his sin before God and God reciprocates because of his humility. God touches him. Many of us haven't experienced the touch of God because you do not think you need it. We don't need the, I don't need the touch of God. I'm doing good. Everything's fine. Yet your family's falling apart. Your marriage is falling apart. Your finances are falling apart. Your body's falling apart. Your mind is falling apart. Yet everything's great. That's not faith. It's fake. Because when we humble ourselves before God, God is the one that steps in. See, God doesn't show us his glory just to make you feel bad. You, you, you see this? God shows up and Isaiah's like, oh man, I suck. I, you know, and who would want to go into the presence of God if it just makes you feel bad? Right? God, God doesn't just want to make you feel bad. That's not the purpose of his presence. The purpose of his presence is to reveal his glory because the Bible says for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. You were created for glory. When I step into the presence of God and I see his glory, it reveals what I was created for. And I feel bad because I realize where God is and where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. 
you got you to capture this. I'm not saying that you sit on the throne. I'm just saying that you were created for glory. And yet we've compromised that glory so many times. So God does this to pull out our purpose in our lives. Stay with me, Omaha, if you could help me this morning. He does this to pull out our purpose. And this is where we're at in many of our lives. And I need you to understand this. If you catch nothing else, catch this. Many of us struggle between these two concepts, between change and transformation. We are so focused in on making changes that we've never transformed. Because changes are external. It's things that we do on the outside. You can make changes that will fix your past, but, you, but, but transformation will transform and change your future. Because transformation changes who you are from the inside out. Changes, I can change the clothes I wear because I want to look successful. I start wearing suits all the time. And you, you're still broke, but now you got suits. You're just a, you're just a nice covered, broke person, got a nice leather wallet, but there's nothing in it. You're making changes on the outside. You're going to the gym, you're working out and everything. And so your body is looking better, but there's still no change on the heart. People still don't like you because the problem wasn't your body. The problem was your heart. Transformation starts from the inside out, not from the outside in. Change is external while transformation is internal. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Someone say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. It starts in your mind with your thoughts. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, I need you to understand this as we close this morning. This is what brought us to this point is in verse 8, he says, And I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, now follow me on this. I heard the verse, voice of the Lord saying. Earlier he heard God speak, but he didn't say what God said. It shook the foundations. But now God speaks and he hears what God says. Why? Because he's been touched. He's been cleansed. He's been transformed. See, I need you to understand. Many of us don't understand what God is saying. Yet you hear, you see the effects of the word of God, but you don't know what God is saying because your heart hasn't been transformed yet. You haven't experienced a touch of God. So when God speaks, you still don't understand what God is saying. Yeah, you're seeing a shaking take place, but you don't understand why. But because Isaiah was touched, now when God speaks, he's able to take part in the conversation. And God says this, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah's still just standing there. Lips burning. And God's saying, who shall, I, who shall I send? Who will go for us? He says, us, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having a conversation and saying, who's going to go on our behalf? And notice that there's no light that shines down on Isaiah. And Isaiah says, Isaiah, we are now calling you to be a prophet. I want you to rise up and let the force be with you. You don't see that. You see God having a conversation. 
And he includes Isaiah in the room. God's talking while Isaiah's standing there in the room. And God's talking. He says, who shall, I go? who shall we send? And Isaiah's just standing there. I'll go. Not like Jeremiah from the foundations of the world or before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you, I called you a prophet unto the nations. That's not Isaiah. God says, we have a problem. We need someone to fill the gap. Who's going to go for us? And Isaiah hears the problem. And he volunteers to be the solution. It wasn't Isaiah's gifting. It was Isaiah's availability. It's not your abilities that qualify you. It's your availability that qualifies you. Are you willing to be used by God? Many of you have come to this point in life where you just come to church, but you've never allowed yourself to be the church. You've never allowed yourself to let God use you to be the solution to what's going on around you. And yet, all of a sudden, at this point, God includes Isaiah in the problem. God doesn't just call Isaiah. God simply states the situation, and Isaiah volunteers to help out. Dan and Lydia, that's how you guys got involved with married couples. There was a situation, open door, and you guys were like, we'd like to help out. It wasn't like, Daniel and Lydia, the Lord says you will now run 811. <laughs> and we're waiting for that kind of encounter with God before we step up. But I want you to recognize Isaiah doesn't wait for an invitation or a formal call. He just simply volunteers to help. I'm here to tell you, Isaiah says in verse 8, here am I, send me. God, I'm right here. You need someone, I got it. If you want someone, I'm here. If you want to send someone, I'll go. All I'm letting you know is I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. simply said, I'm available. How does God move? Some of us are waiting for the earth to shake, and I want you to understand that every single one of you, everyone say everyone. everyone. Now I want you to close your eyes and say me. He's talking to me. Now you can open your eyes. And when I said he's talking to me, everyone all of a sudden got quiet. I want you to understand that Every one of you has a call. Every one of you has a purpose. And right now in America, we need solutions. With the racial chaos going on in our land, with the division that's taking place in America today, let me tell you something. The answer is not in the White House. It's in the church house. And if we can't get it together, how do you expect the world to get it together? If we're the answer and we're living like we don't have a clue, there's something wrong. What, what am I telling you? I want you right now just to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to think about what bothers you. What are the things that bother you in life? When you drive by a homeless person, some people can drive by and not think another thing it doesn't mean that you're you're a bad person that's just not your burden 
There's some of you here today that well, you can't pass a homeless person without going and buying something, going, turning around, and then going back and giving them something to help them. Others of you hate the fact of our educational system where it's at right now, and you want to get educated to help change that. Others of you want to help people out in their finances because you're tired of people passing away and having to use a GoFundMe account in order to get through their life or to get through the crisis. There are others of you right now that want to be creative and, and do things things in a business or, or or be able to help young people out or even even single mothers or or to help out children that are that are lost and ha- that that are that are orphaned there are some of you right now that you have a burden a passion about something i want you to think about it what bothers you what are you passionate about because whatever you're passionate about is the thing that you are created to solve once you get that idea in your mind what is it that bothers you Get that thing in mind. What is it that you think that you could solve? When you figure that out right where you are, would you stand to your feet quickly? Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.